while at FC3, make sure you see the gift shop for Spaceballs merchandise. From Rochester, New York, the home of people who are wondering what the hell Chris is talking about half the time, this is FC3's Monkey Business. As always, it is your one-stop shop for everything geeky, and everything can be geeky if you love it enough. Starring Tanya Metris, starring Dan Carmen, starring Billy DeTori, and also starring me, my name is Chris, and I am your host, and I'm happy to hear from you guys again. Hello, friends. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 <laughs> That makes me think Doubtfire, but that's another story. That's another movie we have to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I also, you know, I would love to actually start like watching some movies that um, we've never seen before and like would not normally talk about, like in some like independent films and stuff. I'm not, I don't have any titles off the top of my head, but there's just things I was thinking about. It would be cool if we did that. So, how is everybody? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm What's very that? tired. You tired? I'm very tired. You tired? You just got off of work a couple hours ago, didn't you? Yeah. Um. I I got my my I worked from six p.m. last night to six a.m. this morning, mm-hmm. and got home, took a shower, and go. This would be the perfect time to watch the movie we're talking about today. Uh-huh. And I turned it on, and, the and you. a few minutes in, I. My eyes may have closed, and I woke up to the end theme. <laughs> to the closing <laughs> credits. I, to the closing credits. Oh, no. <laughs> but I oh, saw yeah. the movie 34 years ago, so I've got it. So that mind. makes you an expert, you know? Yes, I mean, absolutely. You think about it. Yeah. You know, you once stayed at a Holiday Inn Express one time, so that's, that. you know, that works. Exactly. So the, the podcast is going to be you guys telling me all about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Now you had you had this, you've watched you, you Mel Brooks is your jam you've you watched I, a lot of Mel Brooks movies yeah absolutely I, I like Mel Brooks a whole lot okay but this was never the one that really was your go to Mel Brooks movie no Silent Movie is one of my favorites Young Frankenstein okay Horse Blazing Saddles but that answer seems let's obvious. get that right though it's Frankenstein yeah Frankenstein yeah so. um, Spaceballs I mean I should like it more than I did. Okay. Why is that, Star think? Wars. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll we'll talk about all this when we get to the meat of the uh, program. I I have a tendency of just not shutting up. <laughs> <laughs> but we Susan love you says anyway. that sometimes. We love you anyway. It's all good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Daniel, how are you doing? How was your uh, your your few days away there? It was it was a very interesting week. A lot a lot of stuff going on. So you know we had a it was a big storm. We had power, trees down all over the place. Power outages. We got to watch tree <laughs> removal. Uh, we had no internet. No 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 this and that and the motor car not a single luxury. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very, I got to watch some tree removal, which is kind of interesting. The big uh, you know brought in a giant crane to pull these trees out because they're just huge. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they were you know. Knocking down power lines left and right up there, so uh, it's kind of a rural area where we were you know, on top of a mountain. So you know, the, okay. the, there's a you know they get the wires up there. They go through a lot of trees, and the big storm caused a lot of trees to fall. So it was a uh, yeah, it was a good time. Oh, 
<laughs> well, the boys had a good time. You were saying though, that's that's they, they, they all kept busy. So you know, they they sw- the, the the lake was still open, so I could still swim in the lake. You know, so okay. that was that was good. You know, just you know, they were kind of upset they couldn't use their phones at all. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> we we did a lot more driving to purge our phones because that's the only way we could charge our phones because we had no electricity was to drive. So. Yeah. No, not our tech dad will never survive. I know. But My kids would have been devastated. I know. Yeah. yeah. Play a lot more cards. Okay. <laughs> a lot more walks around the lake, you know, so a lot more, you know, just we adapted, but it just wasn't uh wasn't exciting. Wasn't, uh-huh. I mean I'm always good for a few days, but after that it's just kind of I'm ready for civilization. Ready for civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Please, may I have my civilization? I would appreciate it very much. Thank you. I, I like my space. I like my, my spot. That's yeah. Like, uh, so no, I can appreciate but, that. But yeah. But it was overall, it was good. I mean, it was, it was beautiful out there. I mean, it was, I, I, I post a lot of pictures. It just it was just, you know, beautiful views up there and everything. So Good deal. Yeah. Was there ever any thought of bailing and coming home early? I, I thought about it, but uh, the other, other part of my family did not. Ah. <laughs> got vetoed by the other half of the equation there, there wasn't agreement on it so we didn't do it i see <laughs> I we, got see. Power, we got power the last day <laughs> that's great <laughs> oh but yeah so anyways i've been anyways, doing okay good deal yeah that's a thing i'm glad mm. to hear it yeah. wonderful and now we're all home and how about you miss tanya First day of summer school, or first week of summer school, excuse me? Yep, first week of summer school. We survived. It's uh, a little interesting. I'm not in my normal building, so um, not having all access to everything that I usually have during the day. So it was like, someone came into my classroom the other day, like, do you have a pencil sharpener? I'm like, yeah, in the back. It's one of those handheld ones. Yeah, the old-fashioned yeah, the old fashioned. And I'm like, oh, so I'm like, Anita, the next time you go over to our building to water your plants, grab the three hole punch, which is electric and grab the pencil sharpener, which is electric. She's like, absolutely. But then <laughs> yesterday I uh, stopped by a garage sale that Ian's cousin was having yeah. and they were getting rid of a ton of stuff. There was a ton of Mickey stuff there, but Dan, I don't think he would have really appreciated that because it was like magnetic cheesy 80 frame from frames from the 80s that you'd put on your refrigerator and things like that and i was like yeah. uh, not so much but they had an electric pencil sharpener for two bucks brand new never out of the box oh, i was like that's mine a thing jackpot. of pencils is mine jackpot <laughs> i can walk out of there with like spending 16 dollars i'm like and i hate you she's like you love me i'm like yeah you're right i do but, <laughs> but now i have a second uh, electric pencil sharpener that is backup and pencils and I just highlighters. There were some things that I got there and then uh, some candle that candles from uh, Party Light, which is normally really expensive and they're like a dollar a box, a dollar mm-hmm. box, and they're normally like ten to fifteen dollars a box when you buy them for Party Light. So, gotcha. Yeah, made out. So other than that, not much. Yay. I just finished my breakfast. Yay! What's your breakfast oh. today? Um, I uh, had vanilla yogurt with strawberries and granola. Oh, very nice. Very yeah. Nice. Well, I had bought yogurt the other day, but I didn't realize that it was plain yogurt, not vanilla. Just plain yogurt. 
Oh, it's nasty. Plain yogurt is nasty. I even <laughs> tried putting some vanilla extract in it to kind of give it a little bit of flavor in the vanilla granola. I, I, I uh, scarfed it down, but it was not pleasant whatsoever. So We are, we are very sorry to hear that. So yesterday when I went to Wegmans, I got vanilla. Okay. <laughs> Other than that, not much. You can improve it even more by getting ice cream. See, you know what? He's not lying in any way. He's not lying. That that's, He's not that's lying. accurate. That's accurate but, stuff right there. But my, I haven't been too happy about my my weight numbers going up and down and up and down and up and down. And I've been since I've been back at work. I have access to little things of chocolate and stuff during the day. So. Uh huh. I'm like, oh, I, I have to eat somewhat healthier. But yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. So well, good luck with that. I'm sure you'll do fine. You you you've done you've been successful at when you put your mind to it. So yep, it's just a matter of not eating the Oreos that are in the house. <laughs> we can help you with that. Mm-hmm. I volunteer as tribute and ice cream. I'm thinking I'm like, oh, later vanilla ice cream, and then and uh, crush up some Oreos, and then we'll have a happy little dessert. Okay, another go. suggestion. Stick with yogurt, but make it the frozen kind. <laughs> I like that idea. That's a okay. great idea. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, well, it's been an interesting week at work. Um, they, uh, they, they've changed up. Because we have two new inspectors. We used to have 26. Now we're up to 28. And I think that was great because it worked out, you know, in the budget for us to be able to pull something like that off. And uh, and so they were able to finally do this alignment they've been talking about for years. So each, each quadrant is self-contained. So there's no inspectors that overlap between northwest and southwest or southwest and southeast. So you don't have to worry about multiple you know, multiple bosses or anything along those lines. <clears throat> and now you have instead of having like five or six inspectors per area, you've got seven per quadrant and it's set and everybody's got their own team leader. We've got four team leaders as opposed to the old three that we used to have. So it's kind of been getting used to things. And of course, in, in, uh, in, in because of that, they have changed up everybody's work areas, you know, try and shrink them here, change them here. So the caseloads are balanced and all the inspectors have kind of equal, equal amount of work to do. Um, and they, 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 I got Poland, Okay, so there, there's there's a little anecdote behind that. After World War II, when everything was being divvied up and borders were being set and everybody was being reset and things were being handed back to proper countries and whatnot. Historians will tell you that Poland as a country apparently got picked up and moved about two miles to the east and then put back down again. And, and, and so that's kind of what happened to me about half by about a half a mile where my area got picked up moved north and put back down again. So I still have half of what I used to cover, but I have this whole new section that I inherited from one of my one of my coworker neighbors. <clears throat> the 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 fun nuance of it is right now sitting in my home office here in on the, in my happy little house. I'm in the middle of my work area, so I'm already at the office, just sitting here waiting for work to happen. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Well, course, the very first the full the first full day that I had the area, I get a complaint case um, from the rental property that's right next door to me. So I show up at the front door and my neighbor looks at me. She goes, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, yep, hi, it's me. I'm here. I'm here to help you. She's like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah, you thought you said it was weird that you lost the section that 
your because you had your mom's street. Yes, I had my mom's street. But you lost that, but then you gained your own. Yes. I, I, I went from the, the street that I grew up on to the street that I live on. <laughs> so, And people are like, oh, doesn't that create a conflict of interest? I'm like, no, it actually creates a better investment because I definitely don't want to be mucking around with the houses that, that are around me. You know, I, I want I, I want my neighborhood. So I now have a, like an opportunity here to work with people uh, in a little bit more directly and, and uh, you know, be a little more invested in, in what goes on around me. And I seem to recall asking you if you could ticket yourself. And and no, if, if anything happens to my house in particular, if there's a complaint or if I'm going to take out a permit to do work on my own house, then my boss will naturally bring with somebody else in to take a look at it for a third party aspect of it. So, and that's cool. That's perfectly balanced, you know, because we have we actually have several um, inspectors who are also landlords themselves, you know, and um, and and so there we have rules to make sure that everybody's covered and, and that there's nothing untoward happening so we're all watching each other and keeping each other accountable mm-hmm. so that's good stuff i mean I've, I've done it's funny i've gone into areas and and i meet the landlord and the landlord's my coworker, and i'm like oh i didn't know you had this place and you know i'm okay you gotta wait outside i gotta do the thing now and uh, and they will everybody behaves themselves they understand the rules hmm. now let me tell you what my tired brain thought when you were telling about uh having your your area moved Mm-hmm. I thought they moved your desk two miles away for a second. <laughs> I figured out what you're talking about. Why did they move them to a different building? That's funny. Oh, yeah. I get it now. I get jokes. <laughs> get, getting getting oh, used getting I, used to Billy's work schedule is going to be fun. I can yeah. tell. Did Dan hit a giggle laugh thing, or is that in his kids? Uh, uh, that was me laughing. Come on. Because oh. <laughs> I think Dan got the Simpsons reference. I got a new giggle. Oh boy! I was gonna say I thought I heard uh, something—the yeah, laugh track behind us. It was a gro- it was Grogu talking to me. Oh, uh, uh, back there. So it, it stands to reason why um, Tanya would be familiar with that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was like, wait, I hear a giggle. Um, <laughs> Anne's birthday be- was the other day, and she got a new Grogu. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one that talks. Yeah. She was so happy. <laughs> All right. Well, friends, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the Mel Brooks uh, parody classic, Spaceballs. A new fragrance from the line of the Mighty Monkey. Spoilers. When you want that little hint of adventure. Spoilers. When you know it's coming, but you're not sure after all. Spoilers. When your PSA makes no goddamn sense, but you're gonna go for it anyway. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and space balls all alike. Talking about space balls. All right, Spaceballs is a 1987 American space opera comedy. There's a way to describe it. Co-written and produced by the uh, the irrepressible and nearly immortal Mel Brooks. It is primarily a parody of the original Star Wars trilogy, but also parodies other sci-fi films and popular franchises. It throws in references to Star Trek, Alien, The Wizard of Oz, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and of the Planet of the Apes. The film stars Bill Pullman, 
John Candy, Rick Moranis, with a supporting cast comprising of Daphne Zunjia, Zuniga. Oh my God, I massacred that poor name. Uh, Dick Van Patten, George Weiner, and Lorraine Yarnell, and the voice of Joan Rivers. In addition to Brooks playing a dual role, the film also features Brooks regulars Dom DeLuise, Randy DeLuca in cameo appearances. In Spaceballs, heroic mercenary Lone Star, played by Pullman, and his alien sidekick Barf, played by Candy. Uh, rescue Princess Vespa, played by Daphne Smith. That's that's her last name now, it's Smith. Uh, of Viridia <laughs> and her droid. Yes. Zuniga. <laughs> Zuniga, thank you. My God, I can't believe I massacred it that badly. And her droid Dot Matrix, which is, you know, I, I said this to the kids, and they're looking at me like, Dot Matrix, why is that funny? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, the same. Uh, they seem to being captured by the Spaceballs, led by President Scroob, which is obviously Mel Brooks's last name spelled backwards, uh, who want to use Vespa as ransom to obtain Druidia's heir for their own planet. However, the heroes get stranded on a desert moon where they encounter the wise Yogurt, also played by Brooks, uh, who teaches Lone Star about the metaphysical power known as the Schwartz. Meanwhile, Spaceball Commander's Dark Helmet, played by Rick Moranis and Colonel Sanders. What are you, Colonel Sanders chicken? Again, another reference that modern-day kids did not pick up on, which was really weird for me. <laughs> uh, led, the search, uh, led the search for them, but are hindered by their own incompetence. The film was released by Metro-Golden-Mare on June 24th of 1987. Despite initially getting a mixed reception from critics and audiences, it has since become a cult classic and is now one of Brooks's most popular and well-known films. Um, and isn't that true of basically all of Mel Brooks's movies? They're all pretty much like people are, you know, there's, there's going to be a large section of the population to be like, yeah, and and there's going to be a large section of the population that's like, whoa, this is awesome! Mm -hmm. And then, and then kind of like, and then it brews over time and percolates until suddenly the movies have gotten their own legendary status just because you know you couldn't make them in this day and age anymore. Yeah, nope. Brooks, Brooks, I love how he, he he unabashedly busts the fourth wall on a regular basis throughout the course of the movie. You know, characters will be very self-aware or they'll look at the audience directly and kind of like give them a knowing, kind of like a, a, a smirk or, or, or a shrug. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what do you want from me kind of a thing. Uh, Dan, you, you have the uh, the opening crawl because it's it starts a, it's a send-up of Star Wars. Absolutely, like 95% oh, yeah. of this thing's bloodline is Star Wars. Right. So you start with the opening crawl. Go right ahead. Once upon a time warp, in a galaxy very, 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 very far away, there lived a ruthless race of beings known as Spaceballs. Chapter 11. The evil leaders of planet Spaceball, having foolishly squandered their precious atmosphere, have devised a secret plan to take away every breath of air from their peace-loving neighbor, planet Druidia. Today is Princess Vespa's wedding day. Unbeknownst to the princess, but known to us... Danger lurks in the stars above. If you can read this, you don't need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the opening crawl. That's the opening crawl right there. And, and it, it's just so indicative of how, you know, because there are times where the movie is like close to being serious and legit. And then there are mm -hmm. times where it's just Mel Brooks being Mel Brooks. Right. You know, and, and obviously, of course, all of the references to Judaism and, you know, because Mel Brooks is not not ashamed of his heritage and throws it in there and, and, and goes mm -hmm. for the, the, the regular jokes like, you know, Druidia, 
I think the name of the planet just sets up the fact of, of uh, when Lone Star goes, oh, great, a Druish princess. Funny, yeah. she doesn't look Druish. It's, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we all saw that one. All right. Yes. Although, is the term Jewish princess as well known as it was back in the 80s? I still hear people saying stuff like that from time to time. You know, even in this day where we try to be more, I guess, politically correct, for lack of a better way of describing it, you know, and we and we try to be more sensitive, you still have, I, you know, the, the things, the thing I know about the Jewish people the most is that if there's going to be somebody to pick on the Jewish people, it's typically the Jewish people. They have, they have a great sense of self and self-awareness and and they have no problem with a sense most of the jewish people i've met over the years have no problem with having a sense of humor about themselves and their culture and their history and i think that's fantastic it's it's great to have a culture that's so ahead of us in civilization when it comes right down to it because that's why there have been so many great jewish comedians throughout history yes. mm-hmm. yeah you know it's that great sense of self-awareness and and, and and brooks's movies have always really been resplendent with stuff like that that attitude and I don't know if you were aware of it, if you remember, back in the 80s when this movie was was popular and made, um, there was a book called The Jewish American Princess Handbook. Oh, right, right. I do remember that. Yes. So that's why I think it that was sort of a term that people recognized mm-hmm. at that point, because that book I remember being pretty popular. Mm-hmm. So just a thought. And, and then, I, you know, it's great because we've talked about it since we recently did Star Wars and we talk about these great opening shots. Every movie opens with this, mm-hmm. with typically with a ship kind of sailing through the frame and dragging your attention along with it, you know. And so here is this hyper hyper extended, you know, beauty shot of Spaceball One. And it just keeps going, going and, and going and going. And going. And it's going like, wait, going. oh my God, when is this thing stopping? And then, of course, you finally see the back end of the ship. And when you see the bumper sticker, we break for nobody. And it's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it already. And that's, that, I think that's the thing about Mel Brooks movies is that they are, they're serious movies that don't take themselves seriously, you know? And, and then, then they start throwing in these, these obvious little shots around so he, he kind of veers he's like us we tangent right so we, mm-hmm. we throw off our tangents we get under these great points and then we go wandering off on something that was completely unrelated and makes no sense except to us and that's i think it's part of our charm i, I hope i suppose um i hope it but, is yeah <laughs> uh, the early mel brooks movies and the early woody allen movies were almost precursors to things like airplane and the naked gun yeah, where he just had like silliness for the sake of being silly and funny. Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily have to make sense just, as long as it was funny, right? And there's lots of great sight gags throughout the course of the movie. I mean, you, you and right off the bat, I mean, you got the and, and the language is an issue. You know, it's it's definitely not for children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get the great line of uh, you know. Uh, who is that guy? He's an asshole, sir. Major <laughs> <laughs> asshole. That, that's his name. <laughs> who else is an asshole? And everybody starts standing up and saluting. And, and uh, even the salute, you're just stiff arming each other the entire mm. movie. It's hilarious. Well, I'm surrounded by assholes. It's mm. like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is just an exciting conversation right now. I got to tell you. <laughs> I think we're all tired. It's it's been a long week, and the weather has been a roller coaster, and so we're oh. all kind of like 
And no, I, I had to go move Oliver, the cat, who decided to jump up on the mantle and start pawing at the big screen TV. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Juno has, has been has been doing stuff like that. Like, if a dog shows up on TV, she will start jumping at the TV now to try and get to play with the dog. And it's like, um, no, honey, don't, don't do that. <laughs> well, she's on your list, right? She's on my shit list, yeah, typically. Literally. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, there's that. Okay. She's been leaving me treasures in the foyer lately. All right, back oh, to the boy. movie. Yeah, movie. <laughs> movie. <laughs> All right, so let's just let's just do a quick quick run through. I mean, let's look where the Star the Star Wars parallels are. Um, you know, they they start mm. with the you know, opening the, crawl. The opening crawl. They start with the the ship entry. Um, the three minute ship entry. It's the three, three minute minutes, ship entry. Yeah, three minutes for the ship to go through the screen. And there's no is there there's no credits or anything. There's no text. There's no nothing. It's just that that music in the background, and it and it just keeps going, and the, the ship just keeps going. And that's I think a signature Mel Brooks thing is is holding that joke just a moment too long. Mm-hmm. Not not moment like that. Like David Letterman was great at beating a dead horse over and over and over and over and over again. But Mel Brooks knew he had that timing where he was just just long enough for it's uncomfortable. But then I'm going to let you off the hook and get to something else. And he'd give you a funny bumper sticker at the end. Yes. <laughs> Which was a great send up because that would, you know, that was the era where, you know, we break for this, we break for that. Mm-hmm. Those were when those bumper stickers were finally starting to show up. Yes. You know, so you're starting to see that. And then of course, Mel's going to go ahead and take a crack at it and let you know what he thinks of that silliness. So that was, that was fun. I like and, that then, and then we go to the, go, then we go to the wet, the wedding. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, and and um, Daphne Smith's character Vespa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm avoiding that name for as long as I possibly can, and that's gonna be great because I know what I've just done is I've doomed myself to the fact that she'll probably show up at FC three one of these days. <laughs> you called me Smith. <laughs> that needs to be investigated. Is she available? Yes. <laughs> that would be just my luck. Chris, you're going to be doing an interview in panel room two. Oh, yeah, who's it? It's Daphne Smith. Oh, no. <laughs> and she's going to have a field day with me, I can tell. But anyway, regardless of that. So Vespa gets cold feet at her wedding. And runs off. And runs off. With a, um, I mean, can you blame her? Who is uh, falling asleep there. Yeah. I mean, Prince, Prince Valium, the name <laughs> says it all. Valium, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it was funny to see Jim J. Bullock, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like it was a part that didn't stretch his comedy skills really. <laughs> no, just had to sleep. Did he have like two lines in the movie? I think I don't, like, not much. Yeah, he was. He, but yeah. he he you know he yawned a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, you know, it's... They leave the planet. They go through the little the little gate to leave mm-hmm. the planet, and then we go to Eagle Five. <laughs> The Winnebago, the flying Winnebago. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and it was funny for me because that I, I often see this where it's just reminders of how how bad I am at pushing my own ideas because just a year earlier, a year and a half earlier, I had written a bunch of short stories, you know, parody short stories at, mm-hmm. at school about our gang at school and our um our, our, the dude mobile was uh, was a, a Winnebago that had been tricked out like a James Bond car. No. So it's like everybody's looking at me like, did come they on. get did they get that from you? Did you get that from them? I'm like, Still. we always come up with these ideas, but we never, you know, that someone else, somebody always else does a better job. Who's listening to us? <laughs> it, it, well, it's just the Google effect. I was mm-hmm. thinking about something the other day. I'm like, I should look for that on Google, and sure enough, Google was already ready for and, me on the search and, bar. And that was before Google. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a thing. Captain That's Lone thing. Star and his co-pilot Barf. Yes. I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own, my best, own best friend. friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're they're chasing down. And, you know, as the opening crawl says, they're trying to capture the princess so they can use her as as collateral. They're gonna like hold her hostage and and mm-hmm. uh, and try to get President the air screw from. this. Yes. Yes. And so the space balls. They, they're in the process of capturing her when the, the king of Druidia, played by Dick Van Patten from Eight is Enough, reaches out to Lone Star and says, you know, please rescue her, please rescue her. And they, they negotiate a little deal because Lone Star is, you know, like Han Solo before him, in trouble with a gangster. Uh, and Lone Star's on the job. He's going to go rescue the princess. And uh, but Lone Star is being chased by Pizza the Hut. Yes. Voiced by Don DeLuise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pizza will send out for you. <laughs> uh, who, who was the pizza the hot? I know, I know. I just Dom DeLuise. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, who was a, a standard? You know, he's he's a Mel Brooks go to. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. one of his. Uh, yeah, like you said, one of his go tos. Um, dot dot matrix, which obviously the voice of Joan Rivers, who's very recognizable. Mm-hmm. But the the person that was made up as the robot, you mentioned the name Lorraine Yarnell. Yes. Do you recognize that name at all? Shield and Yarnell, right? The, exactly. The, yep. The uh, mimes. The mi- That's right. They were like big in the on the entertainment circuit for the sixties and seventies. Yeah, they even had their own summer replacement TV show that I used to watch a lot. And that's how yeah. I became familiar with them as a kid. Yep. They Shields had a uh, running running characters, the Clinkers, that were robots. Okay. So. Yeah, I do remember that now. They were oh. playing to her strength as a robot. Right. They were typecasting her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that says something about the eras of, of, of entertainment, too, because that's going to be something that nobody's going to remember or know anything about currently. Mm-hmm. And it's going to lead me eventually to the question. So, you know, start thinking about your answers now is how well has this movie aged over the years? And and does it still hold the same kind of comedic value that it used to back in the day? And we'll get there in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so continuing with the story recap, uh, you know, we our guys rescue the princess from her, her flying Mercedes, because that's what you do when, when you're a Jewish princess, apparently. And oh, we, um, we forgot about jamming the radar just to rescue Yes, because I was gonna I was gonna get to that. They have the daring escape <laughs> where they they jam Spaceball One's radar with an actual jar of raspberry jam, jam. raspberry Ras- jam, mm. which leads to Dark Helmet <laughs> tasting the the jelly that is coming through the screen, and it's gonna <laughs> lead to a Michael Winslow reference we've talked about in the past. <clears throat> but uh, n- no one dares give me the raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> All these little old old school kind of jokes. It's hilarious. It's like you know, it's like watching Jack Benny all over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they, when they rescue her, they had to bring her luggage. Yes, <laughs> it's a matched set. They um, so they they rescue the princess. There's the interaction with the space balls, and it, it's cool because they kind of intimate that that um, Rick Moranis's Darth Vader send up Dark Helmet mm-hmm. and Lone Star have some familiarity with each other. You know, they, they, they've met, they've, they've, you know, had crossed paths before they, they, just in a couple of throwaway lines, there's, there's a relationship that's been established already between these two. And you can tell that it's, it's not a good one. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not exactly a positive thing. You know, they definitely mm-hmm. don't like each other. Uh, and cause uh, dark helmet is very, 
you know, oh, as soon as he figures out who it is, he's so angry right off the bat. And then they get away. They chase him. They Hyper chase jets him. are engaged. So Dark Helmet goes to ludicrous speed. Light speed's too slow. We got to go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> and the, sh- the ship takes off. You get the streaking, and the streaking suddenly like gets all these different colors. And the Empire's gone plaid. <laughs> then they pass target, or it's a ship to stop. <laughs> and he crashes into a control panel. Yes. You know, and it's interesting because I think a lot of these comedies, um, you know, and as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, Mel, Mel Brooks, he, he has this propensity for, um, you know, holding that joke just a little too long. And that, that discomfort is part of the, the, the equation for him. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, that it's, it's part of the humor for him is, is making you wonder when the hell is this going to stop? And, and just the silliness, it just mm-hmm. becomes, you, you take these moments that could actually be, Kind of interest, and then they become silly, and that's part of the funny, the fun of the movie, really. Right. Because because this that whole thing, because they realize they overshoot Eagle Five, and then they have to figure out where the hell it went because they they've lost track of it. So naturally, they go to watch Spaceballs the movie themselves, <laughs> because that's what you do. Check they check the video, yeah, video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Yeah. It's great marketing. You send the movie, you send send the video out while the movie's still being made, which sets up my all time favorite thing of the entire movie. It sets up that this is this is the reason I'm bringing all this up. I'm rushing to this because this is my all time favorite part of the movie is when they start watching the movie, and they're fast forwarding through it, and they suddenly land on the moment they're in, and the interaction between Sanders and Helmet. It's hilarious. Like, well, they're trying to try. He's, Sanders is trying to explain it to Helmet. Helmet is obviously not catching on what's going on, you know. When, and then inevitably, when will then be now? Soon. <laughs> I like the prepare to fast forward. Fast forward. <laughs> When's now? Now. Yeah. That was then. Now we're here. We're here at now. <laughs> so in the meantime, Eagle Five had crashed land on the nearby moon of Vega. Yes. And then they they leave the Winne, leave the Winnebago. Carrying her luggage, of course. Fuss, fuss, of luggage. course. And then they soon stop, and Lone Star and Boff barf, exhausted from carrying what they find to be an industrial strength hairdryer. Which sets up a whole interaction between Vespa and uh, and Lone Star, because then now they got to mm-hmm. argue about the hairdryer and its importance in their lives. <laughs> and you notice how it's the only thing in that, that like, <laughs> footlocker. Right, mm-hmm. they throw it away and then they carry the Footlocker away. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> if it's empty, then never mind. Uh, but it's a matched set of luggage, Chris. Come on, I'm serious. I, you know, I have never owned a matched set of luggage, so I do not understand the importance of it. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I guess we're we're still pushing through this one, aren't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm hearing nothing from anybody at the. I, actually, where you just described is actually where I dozed off, and I swear I didn't mean to. That's and all right. It's not because of the movie. It's my new stupid schedule that that caused. Well, they got you working twelve-hour shifts. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah but now yeah. I have four days off. That works. So that's good. That works. That's so, good stuff. Then we got then. So then we got Lone Star and Vespa at the, at the campfire. Right. Lone Star telling about his origins. Found in a monastery doorstep, mm-hmm. being somewhere, being born somewhere in the Ford Galaxy. Yes, car <laughs> reference. 
um, or Harrison Ford, one of the other. Oh, that too. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then, well, Vespa, as soon as I heard Ford Galaxy, I thought of the old cars. So that's yeah. what I, that was. That was it my could be either one. Yeah. Vespa tells her ran away from a wedding because she did not love the groom, yet regrets her actions. Then they prepare to kiss, but Dot's virgin alarm goes off. <laughs> Which would seem so weird at this day and age, I suppose, but, you know, there you have it. And then they uh, they travel across the desert, and they're thirsty for water, not needing oil, whatever. And Vespa, Vespa begging for room service. And then, yes. Uh, uh, then uh, the group of dinks discover Lone Star, Barf, Dot, and Vespa and give them water and replenish their fluids before leading them across the, the dinks. Dink, dink, dink. The dinks were the send-up of the Jawas, yeah. just mm-hmm. so people can get the visual, you know, and, and, and see hear that one through. And then the dinks bring them to the cave where they meet the uh, the wise, all-powerful, and magnificent yogurt. Uh, just plain yogurt. <laughs> a keeper of the power, the Schwartz. And then, uh, of course, a plethora of space boss merchandise. <laughs> that was my that was my favorite part. The, the, the real self-aware moment is, is when he's like breaks out the gift shop and there's space ball this and space ball that. And we'll all figure it out in space ball too, the search for more money. <laughs> Spaceballs, the flamethrower. Kids love Kids it. Kids love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then uh, Spaceball One get, gets to the planet, and they're ordered to comb the desert. <laughs> so they literally comb the, comb desert, the desert with large scale combs, mm-hmm. and you get to the the ethnic the ethnic joke that would not fly today. Yeah. Or you have a couple of uh, African American gentlemen dressed up in the uniform with a pick instead of a comb, <laughs> and, the, and the guy who fires off, yeah, the guy who fires off, we ain't seen, sh- we ain't found shit. Is Tim Russ, uh, who is better known for his his work oh, on Star Trek? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's he's right. he's Tuvok in Voyager, and and he's played a couple of bit parts in other in Next Generation <laughs> movies and stuff like that. So he's he's become you know Star Trek alumni. So he's in Spaceballs early in his career. And I didn't put that together either. It was when I was watching an interview with Tim Russ, and he he's like, "Yeah, you all, you all know I was in Spaceballs, right? I got to work with Mel Brooks." And and he he grabs of all things, he just grabbed like a waste paper basket. Who was it was on the set? He puts it over his head and yells out, "We ain't found shit!" And everybody's like, "Oh my god!" And they go go nuts. <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't a close up of him, so it was hard to you know, yeah, it was hard to see him. So, <laughs> so I got a kick out of that. Yeah, and I, and I like how he's you know he kind of just embraces it's part of his his career history, which leads yeah. me to a you know a, a usual que- a usual question is you know let's take a moment here to think about how if this movie could have been made today. No, Brooks, absolutely not. <laughs> Brooks is very good at making movies that probably couldn't have gotten away with these days. Well, I don't know. I mean, if he made it today, if, if he made it today, it might have been it would have been something very different, but it might have mm-hmm. been. But I don't think it would have been. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what we would have done today if we were trying to do something like this today. Yeah. I mean, it, definitely not as it is. It wouldn't work today. No, I don't think so. But I mean, yeah. No, I, I was just looking up something that is is a bit disturbing. You know, the Pizza the Hut costume. Mm-hmm. Um. Mel Brooks wanted the Pizza the Hut suit to look as realistic as possible. In order for this to happen, hot artificial melted cheese was used for the costume. The plus size was that it looked extremely realistic. The downside, however, was that it resulted in the actor wearing the suit receiving second and third degree burns from melting cheese bubbling and dripping around it. Mm. Oh, jeez. So that may have been a problem. 
Yeah, you <laughs> think? Nowadays <laughs> when, uh, you know, maybe you could get away with things like endangering your actors back in the day, but... All for a laugh. Yeah. Tanya, you got the trivia page for this movie up yet? I do. Hit me with some good stuff, and then Dan and I'll go back to going through the um, the story. Okay. Um, the scene in which Dark Helmet is playing with his dolls was not in the screenplay. Writer, producer, and director Mel Brooks came up with the idea on the set one day and told this to Rick Moranis, who then improvised the entire scene. <laughs> There's a surprise. Yeah. Um, the castle, I, which I was um, really cool to uh, find out about the castle on planet Druidia, is King Ludwig's II Neuschwanstein's castle in Bavaria. It's been okay. modified the map painting with additional ramps. Nishwanstein's castle has been featured in many motion pictures, and it's the original inspiration for all Disney-themed park castles. And other trivia is that's, like, the favorite castle of mine that I like doing puzzles of. I have a 2,000-piece puzzle in my classroom that has that castle on it. So. It's a very photogenic castle. I, I hear mm-hmm. about that one a lot, where, where if they need, a like, a, a scenic castle rather than a badass-looking castle, people will typically go to that one in particular. Yes, that's my favorite favorite. Uh, According to Mel Brooks, George Lucas loved this movie and wrote him a letter after its premiere saying he thought he was going to bust something from laughing so hard. Lucas also (laughs) told Brooks, had he not chosen to parody Star Wars, this movie would have succeeded as a great adventure movie. Brooks said he was extremely flattered by Lucas's compliments and support. (laughs) It's always great when the person who creates that which is being parodied can appreciate that you know the, the parody itself you know like right. it, we we've talked about this because because of dan and, and billy's love for weird Al yankovic mm-hmm. you know and and how the artists will often have their own input you know like michael jackson actually helped produce bad and or eat or uh, eat it fat and fat excuse me thank mm-hmm. you you know and, and how they get involved and they get to enjoy it just as much so it's always nice to have the ability to laugh at yourself a little bit and and, and your work uh, mm. So it's it's good to hear that Lucas had such a positive, and you know Lucas has never been kind of a fuddy duddy about a lot of that stuff. He, he understands. He, um, yeah. During his scene, Michael Winslow did most of the sound effects and the DVD mm-hmm. audio commentary from the movie. Mel Brooks jokes that they saved around a thousand dollars by letting him do this. <laughs> <laughs> saved a thousand dollars. Another interesting piece is the escape pod launch sequence is actually an unused clip from Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. Provided to Mel Brooks by Lucasfilm. No way. That's fantastic. <laughs> I thought it looked really familiar. I really do. And when the, when the pod is is heading out the escape tube, you know, I'm like, wow, that looked really close to the mark. That was kind of wild. So the fact that they actually got that from Lucasfilm, is, uh, it's very cool. So it was close to the mark. It was on the yeah. mark. It was the yeah, mark. Definitely. Yeah, the budget on the, the movie was overall is $22.7 million. So, yeah, they saved $1,000 by letting Michael Winslow do the voice of the sub- well, I think this was the most expensive one to date. So yeah, yes. so saving a thousand dollars is good. That's yeah, twenty five million with Dracula dead and loving it. Oh, that was at twenty two million. By contrast, the producers' nineteen sixty seven cost less than one million to produce. Hmm. And spe- speaking of something that saved them money, I was just reading that uh, Bill Pullman says that because I'm always interested in who could have been cast instead uh-huh. of who was cast. Uh, um, Mel Brooks tried, uh, Bill Pullman was the third choice after Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. Huh. At the time, Bill Pullman was an unknown. 
And Brooks decided to go with him because it saved money and he had Rick Moranis and John Candy already as sort yeah. of the named stars that would bring people in. Hmm. That'd have been, see, Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Hanks, I don't know. Tom Hanks I could see, but Tom Cruise, would, I think, would probably have. Probably not. Tom Cruise can, but see, the thing is, is, people forget Tom Cruise can do comedy. Tropical He's just Thunder, not known he for very it. Very funny. Yeah, Tropical Thunder. Yeah. He was Risky he was business. hilarious. You know, he he has the ability to to do comedy. It's just he's more known for for action and the weird dramas. You know, like the right. Right. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's always hard to picture the other person doing it after someone has done it. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. you know, because you get to love what that one person has done, and then you try to picture someone else's. Like, well, I mean, they bring their own flair to it. I mean, that was the interesting thing about Back to the Future is that we actually got clips of, you know, the other, you know, Eric, Eric doing the, you know, the Marty role Marty there McFly, yeah. right. versus, you know, just so you can kind of, you can see what it would have been, might have been like versus guessing with someone else. So that's, that, that was kind of an interesting thing. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, the call sign for Lone Star's Bill Pullman's Winnebago is Eagle 5. Mm-hmm. Pullman used the call sign Eagle One in his role as President Thomas J. Whitmore in Independence Day. That's right. Yeah. So it, it's so ID for that's a send up of of Spaceballs then. Maybe. Or like, a, or at least a reference to it. Probably. That's funny. I'll go with it. That works. I just, you know how movies have novelizations. You know, paperbacks you can pick up with. Mm-hmm. R.L. Stein wrote the uh, the novelization for Spaceballs. After I didn't movie. even I didn't know there was a novelization of it. I didn't That's either, news to me too. Yeah, the book it, before Goosebumps. R.L. Stein wrote Spaceballs the book, a young adult version of the story that substituted some of the stronger language and bits for child friendly context. It remains huh. the only exclusion to Lucas's no tie in mandate. Lucasfilm's no tie in mandate. Huh. Well, you learn something new every day. That's wild. I would never have called that one. I might have to. Uh, I, I can hear. Read that. Yeah, I was going to say Dan's going to be looking for that right now. <laughs> oh. Paperback from sixty-two dollars. Whoa. Okay, let's check somewhere else. <laughs> right, eBay. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, a books use use thriftbooks.com eight forty nine. Um, in 2015, it was rumored that Mel Brooks had expressed in making the long-awaited sequel with Bill Pullman and Daphne Smith returning. <laughs> <laughs> but some cast members won't be returning, such as John Candy, Joan Rivers, and Dick Van Panten, who had sadly died. And it's uncertain if Rick Moranis would return as Dark Helmet, as Moranis had retired from acting and has not acted since 20, 2006. He this, actually popped up recently, if I'm not mistaken. Recently yeah. he has, yes. The yeah. sequel may be a parody of Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Okay. That would fit. Brooks um, is 95 right now. So yeah, he just turned 95 he recently. Move if he's going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Do it now. I'm not sure <laughs> if he'd be physically up to it at this point either. You never know. The man's, never know with him. He's, yeah. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that was six years ago. So. Right. I think mean, it's probably just more of like wishful thinking, to be honest. People yeah. wanting that one more one more run with Brooks. It might be at this point. And Dan, on eBay yeah. Spaceballs, the book you can get for $22. Buy it now. And the author is credited as Jovial Bob Stein. Yeah. <laughs> 
a novelization of a Mel Brooks movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just ra- trying to wrap my brain around that right now. Because I, mm-hmm. I, I, are there any others? Do we know of? Can we look that up real quick and see if there's any other Mel Brooks? I'd movies love to see a child friendly version of Blazing Saddles. Yeah, <laughs> that would be in the beginning. There was a guy. He was a sheriff. The end. The sheriff <laughs> is a guy. <laughs> You can get a Spaceballs of the Car sticker for your car. <laughs> that I would predict, yeah. That's, that's that's easy enough to see. Mel Brooks books. That's kind of a hard thing to say. Yeah, I said any book versions of Mel Brooks movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Young Frankenstein, the producers. The shortest one is Silent Movie. <laughs> <laughs> no dialogue. The two thousand year old man goes to school. Uh, of course, not, not about him itself, but no, Mel Brooks. Say. It's good to be the king. Anyway, when Princess Vespa is kidnapped by Dark Helmet, what does he threaten to do to her if her father refuses to meet demands? <laughs> Restore her old nose. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's dirty. That's just dirty, man. It's plain or dirty. That's terrible. <laughs> They do this side. They put up this black and white side profile shot of uh, of Daphne <laughs> with this this weird, like kind of like almost like Wizard of Oz, Wicked Witch nose. Mm-hmm. What about King Roland's uh, code for the 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 air shield? Right. The the, the code for the air shield is one, <laughs> two, three, four, five. Like some idiot would put that on his luggage, and then of course they had the follow-up scene where the president goes, "Hey, that's the same coat I have on my luggage," and they they share a look with each other. May the Schwartz be with you. Yeah, I mean, you, you get your whole your Star Wars flow, mm-hmm. where you know the hero and and the the bad guy get their lightsaber fight. I'm your father's brother's cousin's nephew's former roommate. What does that make us? <laughs> Absolutely, Absolutely nothing, nothing. Which is what you are about to become. All the silly little jokes. All the silly little jokes. Is this our favorite Mel Brooks movie? I haven't it's seen very of many of them. I mean, this one, Men in Tights, is up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like a ball. Just different. I mean, I, I think this is this one of the most quotable ones. Okay. Um, for me, anyways. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, something people talk about the most. You hear Mel. You know, you say, "Oh, I, I like I like Mel Brooks," and people will be like, "Oh, Spaceballs." It mm-hmm. seems to be the most recognized of them. I mean, History of the World was, was, was hilarious. I, I, I was waiting for part two. I'm still waiting for part two. Mm-hmm. There was History of the World part one. Right. <laughs> um, well, that's something he does often is he make references mm-hmm. to sequels that will probably yeah. never exist. Right. Um, but that, I mean, that was, I thought it was very clever, very fun, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, I, I, uh, whatever. Yeah, See, I, I, I like Young Frankenstein and Silent Movie are, are my okay. favorites. Mm-hmm. Although I like because I collect comedy records, old albums, just the two thousand year old man mm-hmm. stuff with him. And oh yeah, that's his classic. Is yeah, amazing. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that was improv in general, and I, I think the first album was recorded in like someone's living room with just like friends, while Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner basically made up the two thousand year old man routine. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> 
Well, that was the masters of the day, really, when it comes right down to it. These these guys were the, the comedy masters of their generation. And then and the fact that they had such a great career mm-hmm. that lasted for such a long time and they're still recognizable to this day. And mm-hmm. an amazing friendship to yes. the where you're jealous. I mean, Carl Reiner passed away within the past year, but they still, every night, uh, one would go over to the other's house and they would watch a movie. I think it was Carl Reiner would go over to Mel Brooks's house mm-hmm. and they would watch a movie together. And at some point, uh, the one would go up to bed and the other one would just leave when he felt like leaving <laughs> yep. the next night to watch more TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I really like that. I mean, you hear a lot of comedy teams, you know, falling apart or not talking to each other or becoming estranged or whatever the case may be. But these two just stuck together through through all of it. But they were true friends dating mm-hmm. back to working on like the Sid Caesar show yep. back in the 50s. Reminds yeah. me of of Chris and Dan. <laughs> That's and, how we're going to be more older. We're going to just go fall asleep at each other's houses. Yep. <laughs> you better have a nice couch, God damn it! That last one, I, I had a backache for years. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wish Carl and Mel Save the World was a podcast. <laughs> See, that would that would be a fun one to listen to. The two of oh, them just gosh. sharing their stories of what they've been through, you know, and all the ideas that never made it to actual public. You know, mm-hmm. hey, about that time we were talking about doing that thing, and then they mm-hmm. start translating this whole like slew of of things. And, oh my god, that would have been amazing. Uh, they wouldn't have to create. They would not have created their own religion. They just would have kept doing a, a send up of Judaism, yeah. <laughs> making Jewish jokes. You can hear the two of them doing that. It's uh, you bow to the masters at that point. Uh, uh, anyway. So Facebook what, one transformed into Mega yes, Maid. Into Mega Maid. So, it, so they, they slip in a little reference to Transformers on top of everything else. <laughs> she went from suck to blow. <laughs> the jokes you just could not do these days. You just couldn't do it. From Tanya. Um it is uh, uh PG. It was rated PG with yeah. all of those jokes in there. It was still rated PG. Was that before PG-13 came out? Yes, I yeah. think so. And this is 1987, and um, it only had one F word in it. Right at the end, too. I remember they slipped it in. Yeah. Now, I, I want to say PG-13 existed because the first one was right after Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which was, what, 83, 84? Mm-hmm. It started in 84. Four, yeah, okay. Introduce us PG thirteen. Yeah. Weird. What was the so very maybe... first PG Red Dawn was the very first PG thirteen movie. Wow. On August tenth, nineteen eighty four. But a movie like that today would definitely be an R rated movie. There's just there's just no way you around it. The, the, the censors would take one look at that and be like, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean they, we've definitely changed a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I, it, I'm, I'm trying to decide because the, in ways our culture has loosened up to where you hear words on TV nowadays mm-hmm. you wouldn't have heard back in the 80s. Well, because okay. the streaming our, services, well, because the streaming services aren't aren't restricted by the those things, so you hear them. Yeah. On, but I mean, even like buttons. the Bang Theory and. Shows like that. You know, everybody that's, loves Raymond. Or well, yeah, that's, that's just been canceled. Yeah. Yeah. 
I suppose that's that's fair. But I don't. But I. It's maybe a matter of context, or you know, obviously, you know how how you depict other ethnic uh, um, groups and religions, and mm-hmm. you know that's become more more sensitive. But I think just like out and out sex jokes, two and a half men, everybody thought was a family comedy. But if you watch it, it's like the dirtiest show in the history of television. Oh, yeah, and it's definitely yeah. not. Charlie yeah. Sheen unleashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With every other you know, joke of being a sex joke of some sort. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe that's the last sort of boundary is you can do sex jokes, but not... Um, well, obviously, ethnic jokes or mm-hmm. religion. No, jokes about religions. Yeah. All right. So we've got Mega Maid is now taking the air, the atmosphere off of the planet Geridia, mm-hmm. sucking it into a big old vacuum cleaner. The bag is expanding. And uh, Lone Star is able to use the Schwartz to flip the, 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 the switch on Mega Maid because, you know, when you have this couple Big mile vacuum. long spaceship, this massive vacuum, of course you're going to have the exterior switch. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, of that's, course. That's right. And, and as Dan so eloquently stated the quote, you know, Mega Maid has gone from suck to blow. <laughs> Enjoy that quote as you see fit in your own private ways. Uh, and the air is immediately restored to the planet. Yes, all the, all the trees that got sucked up before magically go back down to where they came from. Mm-hmm. And then the the self destructing Mega Maid was was activated. Yes, they they you know so the Eagle Five then flies into to Mega Maid's ears so they can find their way to the the brain of the ship, and hit the self destruct switch to blow them up and make sure that they can't just go ahead and just turn it right back on and 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 assault the the planet below right away, uh, and that leads us to our our big fight between the you know the good and evil between the hero and the villain, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's it's a really weird lightsaber fight of sorts. <laughs> the Schwartz. It's a I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. <laughs> you know how to use it. Your Schwartz is to get tangled up. <laughs> yes, the Schwartzes get tangled up. I hate it when my Schwartz gets tangled. Like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> That's where it's just like, oh, this is wrong. Yeah, there's so much wrong with this, but it's hilarious on so many different levels. <laughs> Uh, and then they uh they try to stop the self destruct, but the cancellation button is out of order. Yes, yes. <laughs> Even in the future, nothing works. That was after all the escape pods were out. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many. Th- there's there's a lot of fun things. There's a lot of silly things. There's a lot of like, oh, why did they do that kind of things. Um, you know, we've kind of hinted at it. We've talked about other Mel Brooks movies. Is, is this his best one? I know it's the most quoted. It's the most widely known, but is it really his best one? Probably not best, but again, because of the, I think it's because of the Star Wars cinema, you know, I think that's probably why it's most known. Okay. Because of that. But I mean, I don't know what would be considered his best. Actually, the producers might be his best, but I think more, Way more people know it as a Broadway play. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because it was from the sixties. Because I, I I hadn't watched the movie until the the play the show came out. Because then I, I went to the show as soon as it opened, and uh-huh. but and you know I I love the the, the musical of course with uh, Nathan with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane with the musical right. there. Right. Um. But you know the Zero Mostel and um Gene or the Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, did, yeah. Yeah. The, the the movie there, and uh, yeah, I mean it was a, a it was yeah I mean it was a, it was crazy the movie. <laughs> All the Hitler references and stuff, you know, and <laughs> now, I've never seen the play. Is that not? Are the Hitler references not in the play? Oh, oh they're in the play, all right. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, <laughs> they're de- definitely there because that's that's the show they're making. The the um, right springtime for Hitler. Yeah, springtime for springtime for Hitler and Germany. I was that, because I was curious if somehow the modern wokeness affected well, but. Then again, the play is no. They they kept, they kept pretty close to the. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah! Wow, it's that long already. Jeez. I I don't know. That was a guess on my. No, it's somewhere around that play. The 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 music that that was the first show on Broadway to cross the hundred dollar mark for the tickets. Oh wow! because I I bought the tickets. My my ticket was like was just under the hundred dollar mark. Mm-hmm. It's like ninety seven dollars, and that was the first show to break the hundred dollar mark, and it's been. Disaster since then because you know tickets are skyrocketed since then. Yeah. But that was that was the first show on Broadway to do that. Hey, little little it, little useless trivia, but it's you know kind of that was a big a, a big thing to. But you know now we got all these kind of surge pricing, all kinds of crazy. Oh, the surge and, pricing's a, oh, it's awful. oh, it's horrible. It's horrible all the stuff they do now. Plus, you know, because we, we have this technology to do this stuff, so that, you know, mm-hmm. but. Um, a ticket. Not, I don't want to get into Ticketmaster. I don't think yes. but the ticket. They're, they're they're verified. They're platinum tickets. They're mm. quote unquote platinum tickets, which means they can price them however they want. Yeah, if they realize the show's selling great, they can raise the prices. Oh yeah, I know because I saw it was a show. Um, I, okay, it's it's a Debbie Gibson. She's on. She's gonna be in Las Vegas. The the normal the normal tickets in the the front row section were like a hundred and something bucks. Um, the, their, their platinum tickets were over a thousand yeah. for the same seats. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, it is ridiculous because they couldn't, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, anyway, so yeah. So but- is Mel Brooks to blame for the price? <laughs> right. he, he made a popular show and it caused you know it, it was sold out. And I said, I went with a friend of mine and we got, I was able to get two tickets to, um, Early on in the the run, it was like as I bought the tickets just before the show opened, but the tickets were on the same aisle, but on opposite ends of the theater. So I had one. I was like in the far left, she's in the far right, you know. But we're in the same row. <laughs> but you know, the only the only tickets were available were single tickets at that, you know, because that was I, I squeezed that in before it opened. Because after it opened, it was sold out for months. But that was it was a great show. Then Anyways, they made yeah. the movie of it, and I still haven't seen that movie either. I should. Oh yeah, there. Yeah, because they made the movie with with Nathan Lane and Matthew mm-hmm. Roderick. Yeah. So how, yeah. how does Spaceballs end? Because the last thing, the only thing I know how it ends is Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get this ridiculous cast of characters all abandoning ship when the the self destruct is about to go off on on Spaceball One or Mega Maid, whatever it is. Okay. And and you see like clowns and you see uh, you know circus performers and you see the the dancing bears and things like that you see the zoo animals, you know all these things that would not normally be on a on an interstellar you know spaceship in a, in a sci-fi movie, especially a yeah. bad guy ship. Yeah, 
um, all <laughs> running for the escape pods, and they all all the escape pods launch and leave the three most important people on the ship: Colonel Sanders, Dark Helmet, and President Scroob on the bridge. Like, because because of course they're not important enough to save, you know, and and uh, and and so the, the ship blows up with them still on it. And, and the, the escape pods, the, the, these, they, they, uh, things came out of the, the head for the space, pod, the, the escape pods to go launch. So it looks like she's got a crown after that. Maybe yeah, it almost looked like a Statue of Liberty play there for a moment. Well, well yeah, but it does because of the, the next scene it comes into that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the head, the head lands on a planet, which ends up being the planet of the apes. Right. And they, and they crawl out of, they're crawling out of the nose and they, I forget the exact thing they say, but they, the apes are on their horses and they, and they say, oh, oh, something about the space balls. And, and, it, and it's space say, balls. Oh shit. There goes, goes the planet. The planet. <laughs> but it was, you know, so, so they, you know, they, they brought in the, so they made the, it looked like the Statue of Liberty had like in Planet of the Apes movie. Yes. So there's that one. And then uh, they go to the wedding. Oh, right, right. So they go back to the wedding, and Vespa's back on Druidia, and she's going to be, you know, married off to Prince Valium once again. And the the, 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 the the priest is getting so annoyed because he's, like, keeps getting interrupted. Mm-hmm. So he's getting, he's getting more and more angry with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're finally interrupted by Lone Star. Lone Star shows up, and he realizes that he's not actually this space vagabond. After all, he is a prince from a long-lost civilization. So he's actually qualified to marry Vespa. So this whole connection they put together throughout the course of the movie uh, comes to fruition. And uh, and Vespa pushes uh, Valium out of the way. Lone Star steps up and the priest looks at him and goes, all right, the very, very, very short version. He looks at the, he looks at the bride. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Fine, you're married. And they live happily ever after. Of course, they 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 they, they could live, fly away in, in Eagle Five with a just married written on the back of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I think that I may have seen just before the end credits. Was that a a, a parody of the Back to the Future car flying off? Or I don't think no, because that couldn't have it. been because Spaceballs is eighty seven and and mm-hmm. wasn't Back to the Future like eighty seven, eighty eight, or eighty five. Eighty. Oh, maybe it was. Wasn't it eighty five? Because it came out the same year that it was. Uh, because two and three came out in like eighty nine and ninety. We even yeah. talked about this because we just talked about these darn. Yeah, I think I want to say Back to the Future was uh, eighty five. I think eighty five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It, it just sort of looked familiar in my glassy eyes haze. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. We'll, we'll just say they they snuck in a little Back to the Future reference at the very end. Yeah. Or I made it up. Or you made it up, and that works too. We're gonna we're gonna back your play on that one. Okay, thank you. And that's Spaceballs. And we want to hear about your your take on this classic parody movie, this par- uh, this classic comedy. Uh, what you think of it? What you uh, compare it to? And and uh, some of your other favorite Mel Brooks movies. We might be talking about another Mel Brooks movie very soon. We'll be talking about that during uh, the downtime. And uh, and so that's that. So we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do our, our wrap-up and our question of the week. And, uh, and that'll be that for the day. Yay. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dudes and dudettes, and all points in between. We hope you guys are having a great week so far. We miss you. We can't wait to see you on September 25th 
and 26th of 2021 at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. Why is that, Dan? What would be going on that weekend? Hmm, maybe Flower City Comic Con is coming on that weekend. <laughs> we're going to go for the shameless plug because why the hell not? <laughs> because we can. that's why we're here. That's exactly why we're here. It's part of the reason, this, yes. yes. This 201 episode journey began several years ago because of Flower City Comic Con. Right. So 201 episodes. One episodes. How the hell did we get here? We're still Lots not sure. Yeah, I know. Lots of talking is how we got here. We just kept putting one foot in front of the other and kept coming back for more. It's amazing. And we stuck together all this time. I think, Bill, you've only missed one episode. I've missed two. And Tanya's missed one, I think. I don't remember if we've missed more than those. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's amazing. So yeah, I know there do. I know there've been times where if we couldn't like all be together, we just said fine, we're not recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh two hundred and one episodes. So what are we gonna do for the next two hundred and one? We've talked about everything so far. There's always more. There's always more things to chat about. <laughs> well, event, evolving world. Eventually we'll be talking about the different phases of uh Marvel. Yeah, we'll roll we'll, uh, somewhere along the line we'll have to talk about phase seven. <laughs> Of Marvel, of Marvel Cinematic. Aren't they only on Phase Four? Yes, but I'm saying in the future we'll be talking about Phase Seven. Are the TV shows its own phase? No, uh, they're no, part. They, they're in the yeah, in the phases. They do include them, and and I hope to get a chance to talk about like you know WandaVision and and Captain America and Winter Soldier and all you know Falcon and Winter Soldier and stuff like that and and Loki, Loki. which is just about to wrap up this week. Yeah. Well, That's been amazing. My mom's mm-hmm. like, oh, they. They set up the end of Black Widow for the next movie. I said, that's not going to be in a movie. It's a TV series. Yep. She's like, what? <laughs> yep. That's going to be interesting, too. Yes. So The whole theater went, ooh. ooh. Yeah, that was great. The whole theater is like, oh, we hate. Julia Louise Dreyfus has been introduced into the MCU with through the TV shows. She had a cameo towards the end of of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and she popped up in the ta- oh, the, right. the last tag scene, or you know, one of the last tag scenes of, of uh, Black, Widow. Black Widow. And and you just, you know you're going to despise this woman, and she's playing <laughs> it to the hilt already. You know, it's it's amazing to see her in action, because you're so used to her being silly Elaine, you know, or mm-hmm. all of her comic stuff, Veep mm-hmm. and whatnot. But this woman has got some acting chops on her, and she is going to uncork on Oh, her. I'm sorry. When they she- unveil this role in full, th- in full throttle, she, you're just going to, okay. She's going to blow some minds, I'm pretty sure. She is a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's got her comic timing, so she makes these comments that are supposed to, that she finds funny, but you're just like, oh. Okay. Oh, that was cringy. She, she's dark. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so. That's going to be fun to watch. We'll I mean, be, uh, be talking about the Marvel stuff so, sometime. Yep, 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 yep. Uh-huh. 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 Oh, oh Daniel. Oh, Chris. I would love to hear question 261 on the list of questions of the week. All right, Chris. What word do you always mispronounce? <laughs> Zuniga. <laughs> Smith. It's pronounced Smith. Get it right. <laughs> oh, that's Deanna's that's last name. What's, uh, that's it's, Deanna's uh, last name. It's Deanna Sh- Smith? It's, G- it's Shulmerick, and uh, someone said, oh, that's how you pronounce it. I thought it was Smith. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think oh you were being God. funny that day when we did the volunteer meeting. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, my God. That's an appropriate question for today's podcast. That's for sure. Yes. But other than uh, Zuniga. Zuniga, is there a word that I have a hard time with? I can't. I have trouble with the, 
Statistics. Yes, that one. Stats. Yes, <laughs> I, you and I have had this conversation several times over the past few decades. I remember yeah. that. Because I took the class in Aquinas, and I could never see the name of the class. I was yeah. like, stats. Statistics? Wow. Statistics. Statistics. I have to really Statistics think about it. Statistics gives Dan a stutter. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and that's the only word I've ever heard you have really that much problems with, that many problems I don't with. know. It's, yeah, I mean, my... My, I don't my think it's usually pretty good. Other than Daphne's last name, I don't think there's a word that vexes me so much. But what happens for me is that when I get riled up, or if I'm really into something, or if I'm not paying attention, then I start tripping over like the simplest things. Oh, you know, certain things just stop sounding correct, and I like, can't like the. I get yeah, well, yeah. I've, I've gotten caught like on, on, on those words, you know, simple words. I get caught on, and it depends on my my mood. If I'm tired, if I'm oh. like, really ramped up about something. Definitely tired. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it of course, it's um, the Amazonian uh, homeland of... Give it a shot. Give it a shot. I want to hear it. I have to see. I have to have it in front of me. No, you, know, you don't. You can do Themis- it. Themyscira? You got it. See, Themyscira. You got it. Um, it is but, a little practice. Yeah. And I was like trying to visualize it in my head. Well, mm-hmm. But I find um, if I'm reading something to the students like during um a regents exam or whatever and the the kids get it read to them Mm -hmm. i find i start yawning because i used to usually read before i went to bed and things like that because that helps make me sleepy so then i get tired as i'm reading an exam and then i start stumbling over those simple words (laughs) and i'm just like oh but um what when we do those regents exams, the social workers like, I will read any of the exams except for global. I will not read the global exam. I'm like, why? Because you can't say Nebuchadnezzar um, or whatever, uh, Kamal Ataturk or all those just strange sounding <coughs> European, Middle Eastern, Asian type names and places. And I just said to the kids, I'm like, whatever that place is. And then I keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, because if I can't pronounce it, most of the time, most likely they can't pronounce it. Right. So we're like, we're not too worried about it. How about you, Bill? I, I A couple of my word misadventures, and not that I mispronounce it. When I read the word spelled A-W-R-Y, I pronounce it Ari in my head. Instead even of Ari. Things have gone awry in this conversation already. Yep. But for a long time, what does Ari mean? <laughs> and, and another one which i'm still convinced i pronounce right and everyone else in the world pronounces wrong uh everyone else says karaoke you cannot show me where there's an e between the r and the o it's karaoke k-a-r-a-o-k-e karaoke not okay. karaoke <clears throat> But everyone else says karaoke, so I guess that makes me wrong because, you know, as the election proves, the person with the most votes wins. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, our D&D group. I like that one. Our Mm -hmm. D&D group, it's a porculus instead of a porculus. Well, we had one particular person who joined us um, a while back who had a couple of words he just could not work around. And, And, you know... Porculus, the gate at the castle, he would call it porculus, and it just stuck in my brain. You know mm-hmm. what? For the damn, for the longest time, I couldn't even pronounce it because <laughs> of that. Um, 
you know, my ex-wife also had a couple of mis- like library for library and it would drive me bonkers because I'd be like, I know it's right, but I can't figure out why it's wrong at the moment. I can, what is going on here? <laughs> I say that is like a sort of a joke library or supposedly mm-hmm. or, you know, those words, but. Well, it's in like, like February, February. Yeah. February. Some words just lend themselves to be mispronounced. Mm-hmm. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday. That that's how I tell how I uh, get the kids to spell it. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see other words. No, I was gonna say our our friend Doug was was uh, instead of a brazier, it was a brazier a brazier. A brazier. <laughs> I was like, uh, Doug, that means something totally different. Yeah, not quite there, Dougie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, like one's uh, something to hold up boobs, and the other one is something that you uh, is like a light. Uh, yeah, yeah, not quite. Yeah. All right. I, I, think, I think I think the one is like cinnamon. Is an aluminum are the ones that are like yeah. are the mm-hmm. ones that normally trip people up. Okay. Cinnamon. Yeah. yeah. Especially anyway, from from Europe to America, there's different pronunciations of the same words like in england aluminum is aluminium you know that, more that, the, i was just gonna bring that up bare naked yeah. ladies has a whole song about that there you go so or or schedule schedule you know mm-hmm. it's right on schedule schedule i said that you know people <laughs> so but then you get into the whole now you can get into the whole dynamic of of words having different meanings meanings like uh, you know Bill Mayer did a great routine one time uh, I was in England and hey can I borrow a rubber mm-hmm. um, oh. what <laughs> meaning the eraser on a pencil mm-hmm. I'll come around tomorrow morning and knock you up well okay bring an eraser uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, language language mm. language is is an interesting gift that we've given ourselves as, as we've evolved as human beings mm-hmm and I'll leave you with, it's not sherbet, it's sherbet. I agree with you. I'm mm-hmm. with you on that one. No, most people say sherbet, and I do too, just, you know, mm-hmm. that's how we say it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like sherbet and tastes right. like sherbet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any of that in ages. It's much so more delicious it. than yogurt. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to Abbott's later because mm-hmm. that has to happen. That's an excellent idea. There you go. The one on, out in out in uh, Buffalo Road has a drive through. Really? Yep. Over by oh, Tinseltown. That that's dangerous. That's because, dead, dangerous. Because what's safer than eating a hot fudge sundae when you're driving? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. On that happy note, this is insane. This has been another episode of... uh... Oh, we've lost it there. All right. You know what? Um, um, Oh, Dan. Oh, Chris. (laughs) Hey, Dan. Hey, Chris. I'm laughing at (laughs) Dan. Eating a Sunday while you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) Billy's tired. He should go get some sleep. Hit it. Hit it. Because this has been FC3's Monkey Business, a product of the Mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Mighty Mo- of the Flower City Comic Con. Yes, because I can talk. 
Coming at you September 25th and 26th, 2021 at the Total Sports Experience in Gates. Like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us wherever we go, and we'll lead you to where the hot fudge is. Mm. You guys have a great week. Have a safe week. Don't eat while you're driving, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs>